Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Thank you, Lord, for your word. As you spoke in your word to the blind man, he was able to see, to the deaf, he was able to hear, to the lame, they were able to walk. So even we sit before you here, Lord, in conditions that are somewhat irreparable unless your word is able to come and transform our lives, transform our indifference to passion and fill us with your spirit so we might have convictions and live out those convictions for your glory, that your word today might be a good seed planted in good hearts that would give forth a good fruit, that your word not pass away. Heavens and earth will pass away, but your word abides forever. And how will a young man walk with a pure life by keeping your word in their heart? You cleanse us. Your word is a bread of life. Your word is a double-edged sword that's able to pierce our hearts and move us in the direction of your purpose. So allow your word to become a living and alive, the incorruptible seed that brings forth the incorruptible life. Allow your word to bring forth a harvest that glorifies your name, to transform our thoughts from being fools to being wise. Remove the clutter and organize our life according to your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet that we might not stumble. Let us see what you see. Let us hear what you hear. Let us become what you want us to become through the power of your inspired word that comes to correct and to instruct us and to exhort us and admonish us, to make us ready as faithful stewards and workers that are approved in your sight. Let your word further the work of the Spirit in our lives, Lord, as it opens up things that are closed, as it closes things that need not be open, O oh God, and transform us through the power of your Spirit and grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We come to the Lord not knowing much about the clarity of why we exist and why we're upon the earth. And uh, when I first came into church, I was 16 years old, and I didn't even know if, if I had come from a spaceship, from a Martian, or from a monkey. If you went to school, they said through evolution, your, your descendants were animals, were uh, gorillas. And, and so I got to church, I was really confused, not knowing why I was upon the earth. And as, as I pressed in to follow Jesus, how many know that Jesus is the way? He's the way. All you got to do is start walking, following him. And as you follow Jesus, you become to distinguish the truth from a lie. And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth. And you start putting away lies from your life unless you want to live a lie. And I don't know many people that want to live a lie. As you follow Jesus, he starts distinguishing between right and wrong, good and bad, the real and the unreal, the fake. And the Lord wants you to be significant in your existence and then you find the life you find the purpose for which you were created and this is all in Christ Jesus it's very confusing to be upon the earth and not knowing why you're here not knowing who you are and not doing what you're supposed to do a great wealthy men upon the earth when they accomplish their feats and their great goals in life end up taking their life and committing suicide and wanting to terminate their existence because of the confusion and the chaos. 
And there's been many stories, and I, I think all of us would know a handful of people that have taken their lives. It's very customary. And grew up with a, a young man named John Kendall in a small town of Titusville. And his brother grew up to be a banker and was in the banking industry and was doing commercial loans. And, and the story came some years later when I was in college that Jay had taken his life, John's older brother. They lived in a rural outskirts of Titusville here down up the state of Florida. And you wonder, why would Jay have ever taken his life? Why, when he was about 25, he's in the banking industry, he had finished college, he had a prominent career, his dad was a banker in town also. Why would he terminate his life? And I think it's because he didn't find Jesus. I think it's because he didn't know the Lord. I think he believed a lie. I think somehow or another, something came into his life that he made a decision that was awful. And so I think that as we come to know Jesus and as we become clear in what we're to do upon the earth, I, I want to, I'm a lot clearer now 30 years later than I was when I first started walking. I no longer believe that I come from monkeys. I no longer believe that I'm a, a Martian that fell off a spaceship. I no longer believe that my life is insignificant, but every second, listen to me, every second in my life is not to be wasted, is not to be spent on things that are not what God wanted me to spend. God doesn't want me to spend my time with the people I should not spend my time. I don't schedule any of my time with people that I shouldn't be with. I, don't, I measure my words to not speak words that are without purpose, for I know now that one day I will be responsible for every idle word that comes out of my mouth, every word that has no significance. We spend hours upon hours talking to people about football. We spend days upon days talking to people about a hobby, a sport, a commission, a percentage, a contract of relationships that have no eternal significance. And so now, 30 years later, I'm zoned in, and I want to know to the very, like the Bible says, to the very dot and tittle. Those are the most insignificant um, punctuations in a, a, a book or in a dialogue. He says, not one dot or one tittle should be removed from this book lest you should strip people from access to eternal life. You're not to remove the things, and you shouldn't add not even a dot or a tittle, lest you want the plagues of this book to come upon your life. And so it's so crucial that we, the people of God, might know, understand, and fulfill the pleasure of God. And again, every time we, we draw nearer to God, as we draw closer to Him, we will know him as he is, and we will be known. We will know what we're supposed to do and why we're supposed to do. And there's nothing worse than not having purpose and significance in this life. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 5, God says this. This is God's purpose upon the earth. If you didn't know, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For this is what the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The glory of the Lord is to be revealed, and all people will see it, for it is the mouth of the Lord that has spoken this. You say, when I first got saved, I said, glory, man, that to me looks like a yellow smoke 
You know, when, when is the yellow smoke going to come in in our midst? And we will see the glory of God. And we will go, wow, look at the yellow smoke. Wow. The glory of God has filled this place. And you get goosebumps and you're like, I know Jesus is here. And this is what I thought. I said, when is that yellow smoke going to come? If God has spoken about his glory to be seen, to be revealed, and that all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken this. And so who has ever seen the Lord? For a greater part of 4,000 years, men was trying to find his maker, trying to find his God. How many would enjoy for God to show up at your house, just have to knock on the door, says, hello, come in to spend time with you. And you're like, man, I would love that. I would love for God to knock on my door and says, hey, is Brandon here? Yeah, Brandon's here. Come and, and God shows up to Brandon. Is Jules in? Yeah, come on, here he is. There he is. And so that is what God is talking about. He wants the world to see his manifest character. In John 1.18, Jesus comes up on the scene and he says, no one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God at any time. And the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he's close. He's connected. Jesus Christ knows the father, has seen the father, has, has been really, he could declare who the father is. He could declare what God is all about. In fact, the Bible says it was God who became flesh and dwelt among us. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has revealed him. Jesus was the first one to come upon the earth and to say, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. He embodied, he took on, he was the manifest presence of God's glory upon the earth. And we saw him and we beheld him. And, uh, and even though many of us have not walked with Jesus, we don't have him close to us, we know a lot about God by what we have seen in the life of Jesus. John 14, 9, one of his disciples came up to us, uh, to Jesus and said, show us the Father. We want to know them. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so, say with me, long. I've, I've lived with you. I've walked with you. I've cried with you. I've embraced you. I've spent nights praying with you. I've multiplied bread. I've fed the multitudes. I healed the sick. I've, I've been in a, say with me, full expression of God the Father. Philip, I've been with you so long and yet you have not known me. He who has sent me has seen the Father. He who's seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, how dare you say, show us the Father? Everything I am, everything I breathe, everything I speak, when I cry, when I have compassion, when I see people, when I embrace people, when I heal people, when I say, let the children come to me and do not suffer them, for such is the kingdom of God. And Jesus came upon the earth filled with grace and truth and became the, the full embodiment of God the Father. And we beheld his glory. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus, 
will never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This expression of God's glory was, was fully tangible and seen. This expression of God's glory, we saw the eyes of God as he saw the widow putting in the offering and saying she gave more than all. It's not about the widow. It's not about the offering. It's about a God who notices through all things. We sit there and say, well, I'm going to give a whole bunch to God today. God weighs the heart. God sees with his eyes. God saw the adulterer about to be stoned and intervened. And said, go forth and sin no more. And he's an expression of redemption, of forgiveness, of mercy. We saw God. The religious people saw God and hated him. Because he wasn't a man of appearance. He was a man of reality. He wasn't pretending. God is not a pretender. He doesn't fake it. Paul learned not to fake it when he says, I put away all my pharisaical ways, my zeal, and now I am what I am by the grace of God. The work of God in our lives is genuine. You don't have to pretend. It's a real work. And and that real work of Christ yesterday, today, and say with me forever, that work of Christ is a reality that produces, say with me, glory of God. So if in Him we beheld the glory of God, and in the Old Testament the best they had was the Shekinah glory. If, if you study a little bit of the Old Testament, you'll see that when the priest came into the altar of the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, the, there was a manifestation of a light. And it says that the high priest would come in there, and there was God embodied in the brightness of His glory called Shekinah glory. It was a tangible evidence of the presence of God upon the earth. And and that was really dark. That was a real dark light compared to the light of Jesus. Man, when Jesus came to the world, we were able to really see. The lights really turned on. Men were able to touch God. They were able to hear God. They were able to live with God. And so as we are understanding This world-changing Jesus. In this season of our life, if there is no Shekinah glory, and that was a dark glory, if Christ has already come and gone, has God left the earth without His glory? Is there an absence of glory of God upon the earth? Or has God purposed and directed that Christ in you And Christ in me would be the hope of glory. That the manifest character of God would only be expressed to the extent that you brought Jesus on the inside. And your eyes, your ears, your touch, your life, your family, your existence would be that only hope that people would have of seeing the glory of God. The body of Christ, the church, has been entrusted to, to the earth in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. As he is, so also are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. 
Isn't it powerful that love is being perfected inside of us? That every thought, every word, every gesture, that you reveal who? Christ. That that's the only way that this world will ever know the reality of God. And so we are supposed to church, I'm speaking to the church this morning. We are supposed to be the very express image, tangibly manifest presence of the glory of God, revealing Christ to the world. We are His body. He is the head. Our devotion, our life, our words, the way we serve, the way we are enthusiastic, the way we speak, they must be able to say, man... Talking to this person was like talking to Jesus. Being touched by this person is like being touched by Jesus. So this is our call. This is what God is calling us to do. It's fine this morning. If you need Jesus, you come and get Jesus. He's the tangible expression and the fullness of God. If you have Jesus, you have it all. I have Jesus. I lack nothing. I am the most satisfied person in the world. I don't need anything. I don't need anything. Hey, people go, hey, you want this? Not really. What do you mean not really? Everybody wants this. No. I have something so powerful, I don't need to add to it. I don't, I don't need to, I'm not an orphan. I'm not lacking provision. Whatever the goodness of God in my life brings, I'm satisfied. Why? Because I have the whole thing. I have Jesus. He fills my all in all. Nothing is ever missing. I'm never alone. This video, we just saw this young man, he comes back from the party and he has to find out what he's going to do next. As I was watching him, I said, I know, I come home and I have Jesus. I go out and I have Jesus. I, I walk with the Lord the whole time. In fact, I have, a, I have a real weight of responsibility because since I'm satisfied and I look around my life and I see so many people not satisfied and trying to fill up on things that don't satisfy, we meet these people all the time. They say, Pastor, I don't understand. If I had such a beautiful wife... Why was I going out to look for a call girl or for another wife? And I tell them, because you didn't have Jesus. Because when you have Jesus, you have it all. You're not some dog on the street running from person to person. You're satisfied. And a lot of people don't have Jesus, and that's why there's such confusion upon the earth. Colossians 1.15 says, Jesus, the exact image of the invisible God. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the first one to take on that image over all creation. Verse 16, for it was in him that all things were created. He was able to express that God that was able to, to heal the blind man, to, to put the ear back on the man that Peter cut his ear off. He was able to, to help a man grow a leg, grow an arm. Be able to hear. The expression of God through Jesus was so amazing. 
that all you have to do, people that are atheists that have never seen God, all they have to do is see Jesus. And in Jesus is the full expression of the image of the invisible God. He created the heavens and the earth. Those things that are visible and invisible, those thrones, dominions, principalities, power, all things were created through him and for him. As you come to Jesus, you start learning how to live your life in relation to God. And without Jesus, you wouldn't be able to get started. Now, I want to suggest this morning that God in Jesus is the king of kings. How many say amen? Amen. And he has a throne. And he has dominion and he has power as a king. He has a throne and he rules and reigns. And, And so many people that don't know Jesus grab their life and their throne and their rulership and lift it up above Christ. And they're not in proper relationship to God. So it's a real scary thing to say that you're going to lift your throne up before above God's throne. That you got, see, God has plans for your life, but you say, I have my own plans. And, and that, that is the beginning of a very frustrating life, of a life full of mer- uh, misery and hurt and pain. But if you're in right relationship with God, because he created thrones and dominions and rulers and authorities, and all things were created and exist through him and in him and for him, there is no person that's greater in his misery and being lost than a person that's not connected to Christ. In verse 17 says, he himself existed before all things, and in him all things consist. In him all things are fit together. I, I can't wait. Listen to me. If there is a passion in my heart and a desire is that everything gets put in its place. There's nothing worse than when things are out of order. And you were created specifically and purposefully and intentionally in Christ to have your place. To be fitted in your purpose. As you press on to become The glory of God upon the earth, listen to me, the glory of God is the greatest thing that the earth has ever known. And Christ in you and you in Christ are the expression of that glory. Now, we're all over the place. We don't think like Christ. We don't speak like Christ. We don't schedule like Christ. We don't serve like Christ. So we're all over the place. And it's almost like watching TV with a lot of static. Things don't take their form. But when you get a good connection, when you're lined up, what people should see through you is who? Christ. In all the manifestation of his glory. No fear, no complexes, no unfaithfulness, no disobedience, no laziness. This is what God is saying that needs to be perfected in us. And we have a great responsibility. In John chapter 14, verse 12, he says these words, Greater things than I have done, you shall do. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do, because I will be in heaven. As we join, say with me, join, unity, become one with Christ, Become one with his body. Be able to to develop and mature into the purpose of God. There are people here that have not assumed their role within the fitted, tangible expression of God's glory. So that is lacking. 
That makes it all the more difficult to see God's purpose in our midst. He says, he is the head, verse 18, Colossians 1.18. He is the head of his body, the church. I want to ask you, are you connected to the head as his body, the church? The expression of believers in the whole world, listen to me, as Christ has come and shown forth the glory of the Father, so we have come to show forth the glory of the Son. We're to be the radiant splendor of His glory. We're to be the manifest presence of Jesus wherever we go, and when two or more are gathered, even more. When we come together to do something in line with the purpose of God upon the earth, and and I'm super excited. Because we're pressing in more and more to the purpose of God. He's the head of the church. So that he alone is in everything. Every respect might occupy the most important step in our lives. How sad that we have things outside of Christ to do. We're longing for a glory that we were destined to, but outside of the body, outside of the church, outside in Hollywood. For God's sakes, how cheap is that glory? How sad that these men and women, they rehearse a role to play a part that has a, a glory of about two seconds. And after that glory fades, I never forget Lois Lane. How many remember that? She played Lois Lane. She flew through the air with Superman, only to see her in the magazine a couple years later, behind the bushes in the mud of her backyard, being taken out by a policeman. Because the glory had faded. She'd become insane. How horrible is that we try to posture the glory that we were destined to and were deceived outside of God. And if you're not carrying glory, listen to me. You will be filled with shame. That that will be your garments. That will be your vestments. We're not destined to be shameful people, shameless people. It says in verse 19, For it pleased the Father that all the divine fullness, it was God's plan that everything that was divine, perfect power should dwell permanently in Christ. He was to become the fullness of God upon the earth. Who are we to become the fullness of upon the earth? Christ. He's not going to leave a portion of that out. You are that portion. You are called to, to assume and be transformed into that place. For it pleased the Father that all the fullness of the Godhead would be in Christ. In verse 20, and God purposed that through and by the service and intervention of the Son, all things would find its order. All things would come back to its place. Things in heaven and things on earth through this blood of Jesus, a perfect sacrifice. And verse 21 says, although at one time we were far from this, we were hostile. We were against it in our attitudes, in our mind. We were not walking In this mindset before, we were far from this concept, yet now he's brought us back to the plan. He's brought us back to the game plan. And and I'm excited as we see this end of the age, the last days, knowing that the bride will walk in the full splendor of his glory. The bride of Christ, the church, is to manifest everything that Christ is. 
And I pray that as you fill yourself with the Spirit of God, which is the first thing that Jesus said when he left, he says, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive my Spirit from on high. And on Wednesday night, some of you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. On Wednesday night, God wants to fill his church with his presence. You need the Spirit of God that you might understand God. Who has known God but the Spirit of God? And the Spirit of God reveals God to us. And so we know what we're supposed to do. We know what our script is. We know what we're supposed to move into. I, I love 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you read with me very quickly. I love verse 18. So all of us who have had the veil removed, we can now, now that we know God's plan, we all with this covering removed so we can say we behold as in the mirror the glory of the Lord and as we know God's plan as we see God's plan he's transforming us from glory to glory into the very same image by the spirit of the Lord I don't know about you but Jesus made a big difference in my life I'm talking about a huge difference and now that I know that I'm called to make a huge difference in the lives of others, it's not to stay there with just the fact that I've known the Father through the Son, but that the whole world might know the Son through His church, through the work of the Spirit, through your attitudes, through your expressions, through your lack of hostility and selfishness, through your lack of, of living for you, Hey, what, what a, a tremendous calling God has put upon us, the church, to reveal Christ. You know, I, I know that we've done very good in expressing and representing other things. But there's nothing like representing Christ. I, well, I know that, that we wear clothes that are, you know, representing fashions of Tommy Hilfiger and and Gucci and Versace and, and we do good with BMWs and Mercedes and we're showing the people the excellence of uh, uh, Lexus. But we were created to show forth the glory of the sun. We were created that when people come across you that you would have the patience, the love, the passion, the seal, the intensity of Christ. In John 13, he begins to wash the disciples' feet. And he tells them, hey guys, I'm not doing this because I have time to waste. I'm doing this so that you could go out and do the same thing. John 13, starting in verse 14. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also go and wash somebody else's feet. Verse 15, he says, I've set the example that you should go and do the same that has been done to you. In verse 16, he says, Verily I say to you that no servant is greater than his master, nor is his messenger greater than the one who sends him. Now that you know these things, verse 17, you will be super blessed. You will be enriched. You would have the outflow of God's goodness upon your life if you go and do the same. I have a challenge for you this morning. The whole world is waiting to see the goodness and the grace and the spirit and the presence and the word of Christ. If you say to me, Pastor, what did Christ do so that I could be like him? In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, the Bible says, 
as they were, Peter was talking to Cornelius and trying to recruit him on the team. He says, hey, Cornelius, if you're going to get on this team, we're going to be like Jesus. And Jesus was anointed by God. And he was filled with the spirit of God. And he was filled with the power of God. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And I'm wondering if you can take on the script and say, Krista, you're anointed by God, filled with his spirit. Now go do good to all healing people that are oppressed by Satan. The young girls that are frustrated because they don't know if somebody loves them. They don't, they're out there trying to find themselves. And Peter says, this Jesus was anointed by God, filled with the Holy Spirit. This is, this is, our, this is our script on how we're to live. Fill yourselves up with the presence of God. Fill yourselves up with the Spirit of God. Go about doing good. Let it not be known in this town that you're doing anything but expressing Christ to this world. Healing those that are oppressed by the devil because God is with you. I wonder how we could come together as a church. I wonder how we could be known in all the earth as genuine, authentic representatives of Jesus Christ as we come here to worship. This, this puts a whole different perspective and paradigm in our worship. For many times we're coming here to receive, and we should be coming here to serve. I thank God for the people that serve in this house. I thank God for the people who serve in this house. We are the expressions of him. I don't know if you've had an encounter with Jesus. I have. My passion to serve and to speak and to love. And my, like Paul says, that the flaring up of the indignity of people that misrepresent Christ. That make others stumble. If you've ever seen pastor upset. If you've seen him like a watchdog, he's about to devour somebody. It's because that same spirit that was in Christ when he turned the tables in the house of God because people were misrepresenting the love of the Father. He says, my father's not into the business. He's not into this gig for money. He's not taking advantage of people because of the monetary <laughs> on the airplane. They, they, they had a concern for me, these people I witnessed to. I said, well, then how do you make a living? How do you make a living? I said, look, if I wanted to, I would be a prominent, wealthy, selfish, introverted businessman living only for my gain. But I've laid it all down that I could share these treasures with the world. These people jump on an airplane to go to San Diego to find out how they could sell more buildings, how they could make greater returns of commissions. I'm going to Portland, Oregon so that I could know how to manifest his presence so that his glory might shine brighter. And all I'm asking you this morning is that when you come here to this church, that you allow the ministry of the Spirit and of the Word and of the fellowship to polish you 
so that you might become the glory that this world needs to see. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Let's stand this morning. How in fact Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit and power, anointed by God, went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because Christ was with him. He healed the leper. He healed the blind. He healed the man with the withered hand, the demon-possessed. He consulted and comforted the Samaritan woman. He says, I know you've had five marriages and the one you're into now is not working out, but I've called you to live for the glory of God. I've called you with a purpose that would satisfy all your inner longings. You'll never, 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 never thirst again when you drink from these waters. You will never have the lack of purpose and significance. How we have played with this call of ours, how we have not known how to articulate and be eloquent in knowing what God has called us to be. We have come to Christ, and I don't know if you have had that opportunity, but I tell you this morning, if you haven't, come to Him, because He's waiting for you with open arms. Come to Christ. Reconcile with God. Ask God for forgiveness. Confess your sins. Accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Start growing in the Spirit and in maturity. For Christ is not an immature servant. He's not an unfaithful servant. He's not unmeasured in his words. He's not interested in his motives. He's not sitting on the edge trying to find out, I wonder what I could get from this blind man if I heal him. I wonder if this guy, I I heal him and he's able to walk if if he's going to carry my lunch. It's pure. He's looking out for the interest of others and not his own. And, And guys, how many say, what an incredible privilege and opportunity spring of life those that fellowship here become the manifest tangible reality of Christ upon the earth that the families in Miami would say you know something something's different about you where do you worship you're just like Jesus I saw Jesus in you I saw you you cared for me you visited me you fed me you clothed me I was in prison and you visited me. I was sick and you visited. You came over. You know, when I see empty chairs in this church, I'm saying, Lord, we might not be showing forth Christ like we should. We might not be manifesting His words and His mercy and His goodness to our friends, to our neighbors, to our co-workers. So we have an incredible call. We have an incredible responsibility, and I just can't wait. I really can't, because I see the finished product. I see us in our full maturity. I see these young men as princes upon the earth, going about doing good to all and delivering those that are oppressed by Satan because they don't know who they are or what they're on the earth to do. And yet these young men and young women are here in the house of God, being washed and bathed by His Word and pursuing Christ with all the fullness of the expression of who God is, but then turning around and running, running to the world, to the nations, and saying, if you've seen me, you have seen Jesus. If you've come across me, you have come across my Savior. 
The same spirit that was in Christ is in us. Father, I give you thanks this morning. And we sing to your glory. And we magnify your name. As we sing this song, can you please tell the Lord, I want to be more like you. I don't want to pretend to be a Christian. Christ lives in me. His presence is upon my family. His goodness, His healing, His grace. There is no fear because love casts out fear. As we sing this song, just ask the Spirit of God to come upon you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.